My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning. <laughs> my name is Thesa Morgan, and this is my husband, Bruce. That's really loud. <laughs> and um, obviously, you could tell I'm not Jim. So uh, he asked me um, several weeks ago if I would lead this morning, and so here I am. And I have a confession to make. Um, I'm used to leading sitting at a table so that I'm part of the group. So I kept going over in my mind how we could push all these tables together so that I could sit down with you. But since that didn't work, and obviously it would not work at all this morning, um, here I am, and I'm nervous. So if you all would pray for me, that would be wonderful. Um, I'm learning um, to embrace this part of speaking because um, then I know that I have to depend on the Lord in order to do this, because it's not something I can do by myself. So um, the first thing we're going to do is open in prayer, and then I'm going to have Bruce read all of Mark chapter 1 for us. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the privilege that we have to be here this morning and to be in your word and to study your word. I thank you for the privilege I have to lead this class. And Father, I just pray that um, my words would be your words and only your words. Um, open our hearts to your word and open our minds, give us understanding. And then, Father, open our hearts so that we can live out the things that we learn. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. 
and immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went up into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unseen spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unseen spirit convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed. So the big question among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching? With authority? He commands even the unseen spirit, and they obey him. And at once his name spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desert place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogue, and casting out demons. And a leper came to him and pulled him, and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him, and he was, and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but without in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Okay, last week, um, <clears throat> when we left here, um, we were, I think, in the car, or we were having lunch, and um, Bruce asked me a question. We try every week to discuss what we've learned and talked about in Sunday school and what we hear in the message. And so as part of that, he said to me, he said, so this baptism that John was doing, was it something new or was it something that they would have recognized? So anybody, anybody have an answer to that question? Anybody know? <laughs> The, que the question was um, the baptism that John was doing, because last week we talked about John the Baptist, and we looked at who he was and read the scripture on him baptizing in the wilderness, and all of Judea and Jerusalem coming out to him. 
So Bruce's question was, is this something new? Is it something that the people then would have recognized? Or is baptism a brand new concept to these people? Immersion was brand new, yes. Any other thoughts? I forgot to tell y'all, y'all are part of the lesson this morning. <laughs> Okay. Any other thoughts? Anybody else? Okay, I have a list of, of scriptures in Leviticus. You can use these as your homework if you'd like. Um, you can just write them down. I didn't, I didn't print them for you. Leviticus 11, 1 through 47. Leviticus 12, 1 through 8. 13, 1 through 59, 14, 1 through 57, and 15, 1 through 33, will give you a really good idea of a mikvah or a ceremonial washing of the priests as part of the worship um, regiment. So they would understand this um, ceremonial washing that the priests went through mostly washing their hands, washing their feet, or sprinkling them. But um, in looking at, you know, for an answer to Bruce's question, uh-huh. <laughs> I have a piece of paper. I'll give them to you. <laughs> you can read them out. We're all writing them down. Okay, where, where'd you stop? Uh, just start at the beginning. We'll listen. Okay. <laughs> Leviticus 1, 11, 1 through 47. Leviticus 12, 1 through 8. Leviticus 13, 1 through 59. Leviticus 14, 1 through 57. And Leviticus 15, 1 through 33. Uh-huh. Okay, so in, in researching the answer to his question, the one thing that I found that was extremely interesting is that prior to John the Baptist, um, if you were a Gentile and you wanted to convert to Judaism, there were three things that you had to do. The first was be circumcised, if you were male. The second was have an offering made on your behalf for remission of sins. And the third was to be bathed or baptized, completely immersed and washed clean. Just thought that was interesting that now we have John the Baptist and he's, you know, he's got this baptism by immersion and it's something that they would have recognized associated with the Gentiles. He's asking the Jews to do something that only Gentiles had to do in the past. Okay, so... Um, Another thing that I thought we needed to look at before we move on that's kind of foundational, and that is John himself. Where does he fit in this, um, this narrative of the Bible? Um, here we have the New Testament. Okay. And he's in the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have Old Testament. So... 
Is John an Old Testament prophet? Or is John a New Testament gospel preacher? What'd you say? Old Testament. He is an Old Testament prophet. Luke 16, 16 tells us that, that he fits over here, but he's got a little different message like we just saw, right? So can we put John here as a transitional preacher between the Old Testament and between the gospel of the New Testament? Are there elements of both in his message? Okay, any thoughts on that? You want to discuss this a little bit? He's pointing us. Who's he pointing us to? That's right. That's right. It's a picture, right? A picture of grace and what's going to happen. Because let me let me just ask this question. If I live here, how am I saved? Faith. Faith alone. Faith alone. You know, um, some good people to look at for that would be um, Abraham. Read some scriptures about Abraham. Just go back into Genesis and read all about Abraham. And then read about what the New Testament has to say about Abraham and his faith. And you will see that, you know, it wasn't in the sacrificial system that he was saved, because at that point in time, there wasn't a sacrificial system. Why were the sacrifices given to us? Say it real loud. Pointing us to Jesus. All of this pointed us to Jesus. That's right. Okay. Let's look real quick at John's message. What was John's message? Repent. <laughs> Repent for what? Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. What else? What does it say in uh, Mark? For the forgiveness of sins, right? Right. Um, this, his message, I want you to think about his message this week, especially as you begin to read on in Mark and see Jesus' message. Compare the two of them and see if they're saying the same thing. Um, so now you have homework. Okay, um, what is repentance? 
a change of heart, a change of mind, turning back, right? Right. It, it involves when, um, when uh, I teach children, when we teach children at the ministry that I work at, um, they have this little thing that they do where it's a change of mind and a change of heart, which leads to a change in direction. And in that change in direction, you're going from sin in one way, going toward Christ. So I always thought that was, a, there's a little song that went with it, and I tried to find it, but you don't want me to sing it anyway. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, what I really want you to see is there's a distinction between repentance and remorse. Feeling sorry for what you've done or feeling sorry for your sins. I can be going in this direction, and I can feel sorry for what I've done, but it doesn't cause me to change anything. I could still continue to walk on that same path. But when I have true repentance, and my heart changes, and my actions change, that's true repentance. Okay, let's look at the scripture that we're we're going to read today, and that is um, verses 9, 10, and 11, the baptism of Jesus. They're on your handout here, um, and you can spend some time, more homework, spend some time this week looking at the text and the meaning of the words. They're translated very well in the ESV, but go back over those and look at those because we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. Um, so let me read these to you again. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son. You, with you, I am well pleased. Okay, does that, reading that, thinking about that, does that bring up any questions? Does, does a simple question not jump into your, <laughs> what is it? Why did Jesus have to be baptized? Have y'all not ever thought of that? Everybody's thought of that, right? Hmm? That's right. Well, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at some cross-references um, in the Gospels about um, Jesus' baptism. So these are, these are on your second page, your third page, under cross-references. Okay, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Somebody want to read that for me? Okay. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, but do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, 
And then Luke 3, 21 and 22. Somebody want to read that? Okay, and then John 1, 29 through 34. Anybody? Okay, thanks. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Okay, so <clears throat> what do we learn in addition to our scripture in Mark from these cross-references about Jesus' baptism? What kinds of what kinds of differences did you see in each one of these? So let's contrast them. First. There's a phrase in the first uh, Matthew uh, fulfill all righteousness. Mm -hmm. Right. Were there any other differences that you saw? Uh-huh. No, those words, those words are, are pretty uniform all the way across all, all four of them. seems to be some debate on that as to whether this was a private um, a private thing that only John and Jesus saw um, or whether everyone there saw it. Um, I don't know. I can't answer that. 
that's all we have right there. Um, anybody else have any insight on that other than speculating? Sure. You're welcome. <laughs> I will say right here, that's my, my passion, is the Word of God. Um, I, I would have all of you study and read and study and read daily the Word of God, because nothing will transform your life except that. So, on the table is, uh-huh. I noticed in John, Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We'll see next week about the Spirit remaining on him. Um, I don't think we'll preempt anything, but... You know, the next verse after the ones we're looking at says the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. Um, like a dove. Right. So it's not this cute little white bird that flies out of heaven and lands on him, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So is this not just, it's not just a cool um, example to you of the Trinity? I mean, you get to see you get to hear the voice of God the Father. There's the Son right there. He's just been baptized. And then the Holy Spirit takes on this form or looks like what we would say is a dove and descends from heaven and lands on him. I mean, this is a beautiful picture of the Trinity. Um, any thoughts? Right, and then we would worship a dove, and yes, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Lifeway. <laughs> What do y'all think? They're picturing something they've never seen before. How do you put that into context? Yeah. So if this is something that I don't know what that is, or we've seen that plant for the first time and you've never seen anything like that, it's on that 
another word used for the Holy Spirit. Jesus used it when he was speaking to the disciples and told them he would send another one. What was that? The comforter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're bringing in these, uh, these statements of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to put my foot in my mouth pretty good here. Um, but, well, you know, got to ask, in, in uh, verse 8, says, uh, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And now we see this reference in John 1, 29-34, where you provide it, it says in 30, uh, 33, I myself did not know him, but he sent me to baptize with water, and said to me, uh, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So I keep struggling and thinking through my exposure through the New Testament of all the all the scriptures out there, and go, okay, I know that Christ went out and he did miracles, he healed the leper, he. Where do we see Christ baptizing with the Holy Spirit? And so I've kind of struggled on that, and can you help me out. Where do we see that? Where do we see the Spirit given? The day of Pentecost. Right. Right. Yes, and at that point, it was flames. It wasn't a dove. We're not talking about, you know, right. We're talking power. The Spirit empowering them to do what? To share the gospel. That's right. And, and Jesus says throughout the gospels, this one I, I don't know if it's in every gospel, but toward the end of his ministry before um, he suffered and died for us, he shares with the disciples that he is going to send another, that he has to go to the Father. Because without going to the Father, the Holy Spirit can't come. And then at the end, after his death, burial, and then his resurrection, he shares with those that he sees in that resurrected form, wait, wait for the Spirit. I'm giving the Spirit. I'm sending the Spirit. One more. But even David... Okay, so what's the difference? Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. Thank you. Does that help? Okay. Okay. Questions are good. <laughs> I'd, en I'd encourage you to go home and look at some passages in the Old Testament that refer to the Spirit. Just look at a concordance and look at Spirit of God, Spirit in the Old Testament. All right. Okay, so we talked about why, or we are talking about, why would Jesus need to be baptized? And I have a list of a few things before we run out of time here. Um, one was an act of identification so that he could associate himself with us. Um, the empowering of the Spirit when the Spirit came upon him. Um, a sign of assurance to John, you know, validating John's ministry and a sign of assurance to Jesus, um, a declaration of the beginning of his ministry, and um, a declaration that he was the Messiah and the Savior. I have one quick illustration. I know we were supposed to land the plane a few minutes ago, but it just spoke hugely to me about all of this. So if you don't mind, indulge me and let me read it to you. It's an illustration that Ray Stedman 
preached. He's a preacher, was a preacher in um, Palo Alto, California. And um, this illustration is about Jesus and his baptism. He says, um, the grandfather entered the child's bedroom. A wide grin came on Davy's face. Davy spread out his arms. Grandpa, Grandpa, hug. Grandpa went over, pulled the two-year-old out of the playpen, and gave him a huge hug. They sat down on the floor and began to play with Davy's toys outside the playpen. Minutes later, the boy's mother walked into the room. Davy, why did you let Grandpa take you out of the playpen? You know I put you in the playpen because you were naughty. You, know, you guys know what naughty is? Okay. You should have told Grandpa that you were in timeout. Davy's eyes filled with tears, and he began to cry, and the grandfather was instantly felt terrible. He thought, what have I done? You know, I've messed this all up. He was in timeout. He was being punished for something he did wrong. It was a bad decision, and he needs to learn this lesson. And the Davy said, looked at his mom and said, Grandpa, play with me. Grandpa, play with me. The man's, the grandfather's heart just broke when he said that. And the mother said, Davy, you have to go back in the playpen. You have to finish your time out. And Grandpa was standing there thinking, what am I going to do? You know, I've messed this up. I've overruled, you know, his mom. His heart went out to poor Davy. And then the grandfather had an idea. And mother looked at him and said, Dad, what are you doing? And he said, the only thing I can do. The grandfather walked over climbed into the playpen, sat down in the playpen, and played with Davy. So I leave you with that. At this point, you guys can lean in, pray, and then we'll be dismissed. You're welcome. <laughs>